1: Second hour is here, OutKick 360, across the OutKick Network, which includes Florence, Alabama, with Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville. We say hello to everyone in Alabama and in Knoxville, Fox Sports Knoxville. Thank you for being a part of the OutKick Network as well. And you can find the podcast to the show wherever you download your podcast. Just search out OutKick 360. You can subscribe on YouTube, on Twitter, follow us there as well. NFL headlines to begin hour number two with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle and TexasSportsNation.com. He's covered the league for more than four decades. John, over your four decades of covering the league, how many times can you remember a coach not returning from a road trip with his team?
2: Guys, I don't remember it happening regular season. I remember one time the Patriots got mad because – Uh, Bill Parcells didn't go back with him, and they thought at the time he was looking for another job. Turned out he was. But what Urban Meyer did was just stupid. What in the world was he thinking? And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't get fired. And here's why. How can a coach stand up in front of his players and demand accountability and self-discipline and the things that it takes to win when he can't do that himself? Can you imagine Mm the things the players are saying about the coach, everything from his dancing to his posing to the fact he abandoned them, the fact they didn't have their meeting on Monday. I'm surprised Khan hadn't fired him. And it's not like they're winning. And they treat a three-point loss to Cincinnati almost like it was a victory. But the fact is, right now, he's in some serious doo-doo. And I'd be surprised if he is able – to escape from this, and the person that he's infuriated the most is not Shad Khan. It's not his coaches. It's not his players. It's Mrs. Meyer.
1: Uh, no doubt, and, and, and in the locker room itself, don't you have to be thinking in the best interest of Trevor Lawrence and his development? You know, going going through the 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 bumps and the hills of a rookie season, and knowing that there is a trend here and a pattern that is not going to work out for Urban Meyer as his head coach.
2: Meyer brought in uh, two veterans, Daryl Bevel and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, who've been longtime offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches, to tutor him, but he's still the leader. You know, teams 0-4, they've lost, what, let's see, 15, 19 games in a row since beating Indianapolis in that first game last season. And Meyer's had controversy going back to that offensive line coach he hired and then had to fire immediately. When it got out about his off-to-field exploits, then he got fined a couple of times for illegal things he did in off-season programs. So, it's it's you know you'd expect more from a guy who's been around as long as he does and has veterans around him. When he said he wasn't going back on the plane, don't you think people said, "Hey, Urban, you have got to go back on the plane. The team lost. You're the leader. You can't not go back." On the team and the story concocted about the grandkids, you know, maybe the grandkids were out there dancing and all that. I don't know. But right now, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the Jaguars organization because, you know, Shad Khan's family, uh, Myers family, and his team family, they're all in shock.
0: Daryl Bevel uh, offensive coordinator Joe Cullen, the defensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, the passing game coordinator, but the guy with the title is Charlie Strong, the assistant head coach and the inside linebackers coach. So if they're looking for somebody from on staff to to take over, if this does end up in his firing, if things
2: continue to go south, they got a lot of people to choose from there. John, they do. Charlie Strong, of course, longtime college coach. That's why he got. That job, I watched Charlie Strong bomb out the University of Texas. Not that he got a fair shot. And I'm guessing he would go with Bevel or Schottenheimer. But right now, they're a team in turmoil. It's because one guy, one guy only is showing the immaturity and the ignorance of, a, of a, a rookie coach. And I'm not talking about a rookie NFL coach. I'm talking about a coach. Who has the job for the first time? It might be about thirty years old. It's embarrassing the organization. It's shameful. You know, he's embarrassed himself, and uh, I don't know how he gets out of this one because how can he chew out players for things their transgressions when he's got transgressions of his own that are well publicized? If you don't believe it, watch. Let's go to the videotape. <laughs>
3: So uh, Brady's return on NBC, John, was the highest rated Sunday night football broadcast since the end of the 2012 season. It was Washington and Dallas in a win and end scenario in week 17, the last time they had ratings that high. So virtually everyone watched that game and everyone who watched it, I'm sure had a big takeaway from the night uh, at some point. What was your big takeaway from that broadcast, from that game watching Brady's return?
2: Well, I was in Orchard Park, New York. I'd watched the 40 to nothing debacle and I wrote faster than I've ever written. <laughs> and I wanted to get back to the hotel so I could watch that game. And I got back for the last three quarters. And the thing that got me, I thought the Buccaneers would blow them out. Brady, I believe, is the best quarterback in history to bounce back from a loss. They could have lost that game. I'm not so sure Bill Belichick made the right decision to kick a 56-yard field goal in the rain, even though it uh, did hit the uh, post instead of going for it on fourth and three. And, you know, it's it's weird to think of the Patriots and moral victories, but it was one because Mac Jones, 19 in a row at one point, I'll see Mac Jones and the Patriots on Sunday at NRG stadium. And uh, I thought, that the Patriots played as well as they could play under the circumstances. Brady was off target a lot, whether it was him, whether it was the defense, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But uh, even though it was 1917, I thought it was watching Brady, and I missed the opening, of course, all the cheers Mm -hmm. and the tribute, but watching him after the game and then finding out Belichick went and talked to him for about 20 minutes in the dressing room. I'm sorry they don't get to play again. You think, well, he'll never be back there again. But you know what? Who's to say he won't? He'd be 54 years old in eight years, so maybe he will be.
1: (laughs) I love how John we were discussing Brady five years ago, like he wants to play till 40 or whatever, and people are like, "Oh, no way!" And now it's 45, and now it's 50, and we're like, "Oh, absolutely!" You know, it's part of the joke now. It's like, absolutely, he will. There's just watching him run out of the pocket the other night. It's hard to believe he's at the age he is and playing at the level he is right now.
2: I think we may see other quarterbacks do that. You know, Drew Brees hit 40. Aaron Rodgers wants to play into his 40s. Big Ben wanted to, but he's breaking down. The Steelers are terrible. But uh, what Brady's been able to do, and when he says, I want to play another two or three years, nobody's going to doubt him. Remember when Adam Vinatieri had more years with the Colts than the Patriots, and we're all like, wow. Maybe someday Tom Brady will have more with the Buccaneers than the Patriots. That would be, what, 40? 40 seasons over? No, he'd have to be in the NFL 41 years. 21 with the Bucs and 20 with the Patriots.
1: John, don't look now, but Arizona's the only unbeaten team remaining. I'm not sure how long it lasts, but look, it's hard to argue against their talent and how good they are in putting it together to begin this season. How much are you a believer in what the Cardinals have done so far?
2: 400 yards, 30 points, all four games. Remember, they were hot last year, and then they faded down the stretch. Kyler Murray has replaced Matthew Stafford as the early favorite for, to be the MVP, and he's playing great. You know, what he brings to the table is he's a great runner. I mean, he's not just a good runner. He's a great runner. He's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen. And that goes back watching him in college, watching him, and hear about him in high school up between Dallas, in Fort Worth, where he never lost a game. But and I watched him play at AM and he was so fast. And he's got a great arm. People don't realize because of his size and his mobility, what a good arm he has. And I noticed one thing I read last year he went to DeAndre Hopkins on 27% of his passes so far. It's 21% because they have more balance and they ran for almost 180 yards in that game. So Uh, They got another big test coming up, but right now the Cardinals are good. A lot of people were saying Cliff Kingsbury had to produce this year. He's going to go back to college. I know Cliff a little bit. I've always liked the guy. He's always been an offensive-oriented coach. I think it's good for the NFL. Do I think it'll last? Probably not, but it's fun while it's happening right now.
3: I I can't internally stop laughing thinking about the Brady-Roethlisberger comparison because – I doubt Big Ben has taken the my-body-is-a-temple approach that Brady has (laughs) throughout his career, so maybe the deterioration physically will start a little quicker than Brady. I just feel like there's not the same dietary restrictions uh, with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, uh, Titans-Jets, John, something we've talked about on this show, something we certainly did not see coming uh, with this team and that Jets team. What, What was your reaction when you saw that
2: final score? Shock. Total shock. And I knew that Julio Jones and A.J. Brown were out, but Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry were in, and I was stunned that they gave up big plays to Zach Wilson. Wilson had been terrible. And then all of a sudden, I remember last week, Robert Sala, who spent six years with the Texans, Robert Sala saying, at some point, you know, a light's going to go off for Wilson and Zach Wilson, and everybody's going to see why we took him second overall. And they're probably thinking that right now. But it's inexcusable to lose that game. Right now, the AFC South, as bad as the Texans are with a three-game losing streak, as bad as the Colts have been to win one to break a three-game losing streak, they're one game out of first place. I thought the Titans would win that one, win this one, and just separate themselves from the rest of a bad division. And maybe this will spur them on, but that was just an inexcusable performance to lose to the Jets.
1: John, explain how a loss like this can come back to bite a team, especially a conference loss and, and a loss to a team that we're not expecting to win three or four games at best in 2021.
2: Well, sometimes it can come back bite you in the butt at the end of the year on tiebreakers when you're going against best conference record. But it also can have a demoralizing effect. But Mike Vrabel's a good coach, and I would expect Mike Vrabel – to rally the troops and say the right things and get them motivated. And it's not like they're going to play the Browns or the Ravens or or even the Bengals. They're playing one of two winless teams, Jaguars. And uh, the Jaguars are 0-4. They should beat the Jaguars. They lost DJ Chark, their best receiver. And uh, they finally, Urban Meyer figured out he should be running James Robinson. I don't know what it was early in the season when he insisted on running Carlos Hyde over Robinson. But the Titans, I'm guessing, will go into Jacksonville and win this game handily, as they should. You know, that's what we said last week about the Jets. I think they'll win this one handily, but
0: they better get a lot right because they got Kansas City and Buffalo after that. Josh Gordon seems like he's got nine lives. Um, you think the league's doing the right thing by perpetually letting him back in, and how much do you think he can help the Chiefs?
2: Peter King detailed every transgression in his career, in his uh, Football in America on Monday morning. I'd forgotten how many he had. And what he left out was he was kicked out of Baylor for smoking too much pot. He transferred to Utah before he ever played, got kicked out for smoking too much pot. But there's more things that have been there besides pot. He can't be drinking booze. He can't be doing any other drugs. Can't be missing his drug test. He's been totally unreliable. Any team that takes him has to go in with the idea he's gonna let us down because he's let down every team. Now, he's not a bad guy at all. People like him. He just he he has a a disease and a mental block and he can't put it together. Think of how good he could have been, how much money he could have made, but he keeps coming back because when he does play, he plays well. And all this time he hasn't hurt anybody but himself. Other than those people he let down, I hope he gets his act together. He's from Houston. I met him once. He seemed great. Baylor people liked him. Everybody likes Josh Gordon, but at some point, the patience runs out.
1: We are just getting started in our visit with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle and texassportsnation.com. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up, we'll find out if John is a believer in the Dallas Cowboys after their hot start to the first month of the season. Uh, We've seen Mike Tomlin coach some really strong seasons over the years with Pittsburgh. He's never had a losing season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What's got to happen to avoid that this year in Pittsburgh? John gives us his take on that. Plus, what he saw from the Buffalo Bills as they dismantled the Texans this past Sunday. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Plenty of NFL topics to hit with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle as Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. John, the Cowboys, it's hard not to believe in them right now, especially with the way their offense is playing. They can beat you in a multitude of ways. If you shut down the run game, they have the weapons to throw it. Dak Prescott has been excellent. Run game is on point two with two capable backs, but starting with Ezekiel Elliott, who's picked things up for the last couple of weeks, and then... There's the defense with Dan Quinn, and that's really the reason to buy into Dallas, isn't it? The fact that Quinn has them play in a style of defense that fits their skill set.
2: When Dak Prescott suffered that season-ending ankle injury last year, he was on pace to throw for 5,000 yards. And I thought they'd win the division. I picked them to win the division. They'd won it the year before, won a playoff game over Seattle. and And when Prescott went down, they went down with him. And Quinn comes back and does a good job. Not a great job, but he's got two two starters out that are going to be back, and people are wondering, will he have room for them? They play in a terrible division. I picked them to run away with that division. I think they can win a playoff game at home. Are they a Super Bowl contender in the NFC right now? Um Are they as good as Arizona? Not at this moment. They may be later. Packers have won three in a row. We thought the Rams looked invincible. They just got beat by Arizona. So why not Dallas when it comes down to the end of the season? And uh, the only bad thing about that would be, of course, we'd have to read here and see more about Jerry Jones.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'd, I'd have to say the answer to that question, are they a contender, is yes. And it's because they have 11 takeaways through four games. They're plus seven. Only Buffalo can meet that mark. If they are that opportunistic getting the football back to Dak Prescott, the answer is yes, they're contention. They're in contention for the for the title.
2: The reason they are uh, have so many takeaways is they had five against the Texans, four interceptions <laughs> by rookie quarterback Davis Mills and a fumble. They came out of that game plus four in turnover differential. And so Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And the thing that the Bills are doing earlier that they better than they did last year is they're running the ball. They had 199 yards against the Texans. They went in, averaging 127. That was seventh in the league. So they've got balance. They've also got a good defense. But I tell you what, I thought the worst offensive game I've ever seen was an Oilers game in 1985 in Buffalo. It was a terrible win. The Oilers were terrible, but they had Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews, Mike Munchak, three future Hall of Famers. They had Drew Hill at receiver, Dean a first-round pick, Ray Childers on defense, first-round pick. They went up there. They had 142 yards. They had 31 passing. They had six turnovers, and they were shut out and beaten by a quarterback named Bruce Matheson. And the only positive thing for the Oilers that day was their veteran left tackle, Doug France, took to school this fat, overweight, lazy rookie named Bruce Smith. Everybody talked about that. And, of course, after that season, Bruce Smith got his act together, lost about 70 pounds, became one of the greatest players in history. But this was worse. And um, this wasn't the worst loss I've seen, even though the 40 points is the most in team history history. Uh, They lost by 38 in 2017 at Jacksonville when the Jaguars had that one good season, but uh, the Texans were in the playoffs nine and seven under Bill O'Brien his second season. They hosted the chiefs and they got beat 30 to nothing. That was a winning team. That was pretty good. That was the worst loss, but this was the worst performance. Their rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, who'd played pretty well, was horrible. Their running game continues to be terrible. I'm doing a column comparing these four to last game, last season's first four games when he ended up 31st ahead of the only the Steelers, who also are last again. And uh, they're just awful. Now, say this about the Texans' defense against the Bills. Despite all those turnovers and the Bills getting inside their 10, I think six times. It was 16-0 at halftime, 19-0 after three quarters. The Bills had one touchdown because the Texans' defense went above and beyond. Then they just collapsed in the fourth quarter. But Buffalo's good. That Pittsburgh loss uh, at Orchard Park in the first game woke them up. And one of the things they've got there is continuity. They've had the same offensive and defensive coordinators since Sean McDermott got there and Brian Dayball and Leslie Frazier. And it shows in their consistency.
3: John, I don't know what my favorite part of the Harbaugh versus Fangio uh, battle is. Is it the caring so much about Lamar Jackson 100-yard streak to run it in the end? Or is it John Harbaugh coming back at Vic Fangio and saying, I was unaware of a 16-point play in the NFL, so why were you throwing the ball into the end zone down 16 late in the game? What do you think about these two going back and forth with this?
2: Well, it's very unusual for both of them. Vic, I've known him because he was the first defensive coordinator with the Texans under Dom Capers, and he's a fiery guy, and he's a great defensive coach. He was 3-0. and They'd beaten three teams that didn't have a victory, and they lose to the Ravens. Now, I've never seen a play like that in that situation, but just not like John Harbaugh is a bad guy. It's not like he, he is controversial. If it had been his brother, it would have been different So if he wants to do that play and risk an injury to Lamar Jackson, can you imagine if Jackson had gotten hurt? He already had a sore back or sore butt. I don't remember what it was, but what if he'd have made it worse on that play? John Arbaugh would have looked like one of the biggest idiots in history. But I have so much respect for him, and I'll say this like I tell everybody, if you don't like it, stop it.
0: Matt Nagy was a week late. The Bears were a week late on actually forming a plan for fields uh, that gave him a chance at success and they beat the lions but then Nagy had a hell of a time uh i just reread what he said after the game he couldn't give any credit to bill laser for calling the play successfully in that game he, i guess he's in such a self-preservation mode that he can't admit somebody else uh, had some success in his
2: stead because it makes him look
0: uh purposeless
2: I thought Paul that he should have given credit to everybody. Head coach should always take the blame, and he should never take the credit. Just like a quarterback, I used to talk to Warren Moon. I say, Warren, you throw a ball right in a guy's hands, and it goes through him. It's interception. It's always your fault, because the players respect that out of a coach and out of a quarterback. And Matt Nagy's job's in jeopardy. He look, you know, they played the Lions. They beat the Lions. So what? The Lions are terrible want to see what Justin Fields does when he plays a real team, but their game plan, you're right, looked a whole lot better, a whole lot better suited for Justin Fields instead of Andy Dalton. Now, there's no way he's going back to Andy Dalton. I don't care what he says. Justin Fields, they looked 100% better. He's the quarterback of the future, should be the quarterback of the present, and if he plays him, he might preserve his job for another year.
1: Yeah, they added motions to this uh, game plan against completely Detroit. Uh, yeah, having watched it a little bit, they they look completely different uh, than what they did against the Browns. The Browns look – their game plan against the Browns looked like they had Dalton at quarterback. They looked like the same style, and it's just not. And it's similar to, uh, John, what Shanahan is now facing with Trey Lance at quarterback for the 49ers. If Garoppolo can't go, this will be a different look to their offense – and I'm curious to get your take on is now the time to pull the trigger and just say we're moving forward with Trey Lance. Garoppolo has made some comment that he thought or he hoped that the calf injury would only be a, or last a couple of weeks. I don't know if that means he's playing through it for a couple of weeks or if he's out a couple of weeks. I don't know what he's alluding to there. But if he can't play this week and you're going with Trey Lance, because the offensive structure in the system, at least to me, looks a lot different. It was clear whenever Lance was in the game it's different. Don't you just make the move and take your lumps with the rookie?
2: The problem with that, and I don't expect Rappelow to play in this game, but the problem with that, anytime a coach goes with a young player, especially a quarterback, the players have to know it's the right time. Because if you do it just because you want to do it and the players don't respect that opinion because they don't think the young guys earned it, and most of the time when you play that young guy, you're not going to the playoffs. It happens on occasion. I think what's going to happen here, and Shanian was smart to do this. He played both of them a lot. So the linemen, the receivers, the tight ends, and backs have played with both of them. Lance had two touchdown passes, but it's a whole lot different when you're the starter. And you got a week to prepare for it, and you have a week to think about it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go with Lance. If he plays well, then they'll stick with him. If he doesn't, just like the Texans and Tyrod Taylor, if Davis Mills continues to think it up, they'll put him down, put Tyrod Taylor back when he's ready, and maybe play Davis Mills seven or eight games on the end of the season. And that could be what they end up doing, but it all depends on how Trey Lance performs and if they win, because right now, you know, they're, that's a tough division and they're trying to make the playoffs. But when you put that rookie in there, your chances go down.
3: Well, and John, we've talked a lot about that tough division with the NFC West. Given the way things look right now, if you had to pick a team that is the odd team out of that mix, is it San Francisco?
2: Absolutely, especially if they go with Trey Lance. And even if they didn't, I still think it would be them because you're not going to pick Seattle, Chadillac. You're not going to pick them not to make the playoffs with Russell Wilson. You know, they've turned it around before. And of course the Cardinals, you know, I don't think anybody would pick the Cardinals out of it, but they just they just look so good right now. And so what the Rams lost the game. Uh, the two West the East and the West it's too bad they're not playing each other this season Big, a great time to do it because they definitely are the two best divisions and I tell you something when I look at the standings, something that I don't can't tell you the last time I saw when I look at the standings and I see the AFC North and I see Pittsburgh on the bottom and Cincinnati ahead of Pittsburgh, I you, that is rare. I want to take a picture of it and preserve it because we may not see it again.
0: So you just saw the bills for yourself. They're in a game of the week on Sunday night, which has been uh, pretty good to us in terms of uh, competitive games at the chiefs, AFC championship game rematch. Do you think they've closed the gap? Can they go to arrowhead and uh, get
2: some revenge? Not that it means what it would have meant in, in January. Can they? Yes, they can, Paul. They're good enough. Will they? I would never pick against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at home, just like I never picked against Peyton Manning at Indy when he was playing against the Patriots. And I never picked against the Patriots when they were at Gillette Stadium. And so I'm going with the Chiefs in a close game, a great game with a lot of offense, because those two quarterbacks, they are elite and it's amazing the changing of the guard that we're witnessing in young quarterbacks, and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are as good as there are.
1: Well, tying in Buffalo to the conversation, they've outscored opponents 118 to 21 since they lost to Pittsburgh. It's hard to believe. Now, let, hey, yeah, well, hey,
2: Jonathan, let's be honest here. It helps when you have beaten a team 40 to nothing. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean that. That's what they're doing. I made the comment yesterday. The Buffalo Bills treated the Texans the way the Titans should have treated the Jets. I mean, that, to me, that's props to Buffalo for treating an inferior team the way you should smack them around in this league. And, and they and did. Buff- and Buffalo the, does that.
2: The Texans figured they gave up 24 points with their bad with bad mistakes and plays that they shouldn't have made. But they still have gotten beat about 60 to nothing if it <laughs> wasn't for the defense limiting them to three field goals when they got inside to 10 in the second quarter. Now, the difference between Buffalo and what they did to the Texans, Buffalo didn't have any injuries. Buffalo was a home in perfect condition, the rainstorm. I think if the Titans had had everybody healthy and they'd been playing at Nissan Stadium, they would have beaten the hell out of the Jets.
0: Well, I'll give you the list of the Jets people out if you want, but they had seven people they were counting on that weren't in that game either. There's, there's a lot of it was excuses ugly, John. for the Titans, John
2: maybe they got it out of their system they better hope it's not a sign of what's to come Makai beckton carl
0: lawson gerard davis vinnie curry alex lewis elijah molden bj goodson and marcus may were out for the jets that's a pretty good all-star team for them out of out of their best people on their all-stars
1: of a terrible team
0: yeah you guys are so negative (laughs)
1: <laughs> speaking the truth, hey, I learned from the best, John. I read your Twitter account on game day. You kidding me?
0: <laughs> that's right. You re- reads it and gets it hoarse doing yeah. so.
1: Hey, <laughs> l- speaking of the the 1-3 in three Steelers, though, tying in Buffalo, that's their one loss. The Steelers actually beat Buffalo, which is still crazy to think about. Tomlin has not had a losing season in 14 years coaching the Steelers. At 1-3 in three now, what type of coaching performance would it take for him not to have a losing season this year, based on what you're seeing, and if he gets to five, we can't get to 500 unless they tie 500 or better. Is he coach of the year, based on what you're seeing right now in Pittsburgh? Their their offense is so so bad.
2: The offense is bad. The running game was last last season. They drafted Najee Harris. I thought he'd be offensive rookie of the year. He's not. And uh, they're last in rushing again. And we talked about this last week. When Mike Munchak left Pittsburgh for Denver, their running game has gone down the toilet. Now, they've changed a lot of alignment. And they're not the same team that they were. They're not the same defense that they were. But I'll say this. I'm not writing off the Steelers. There's some winning teams that I'm writing off, like Denver. Mm. But I'm not writing off the Steelers. And the Bengals they are another one. I'm not saying Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs, but I think – that uh, they if they don't have a winning record and finish nine and eight, it's going to be really close to it. But uh, it would take maybe Mike Tomlin's best coaching job to uh, to help them avoid his first losing season.
1: What do you think they're they're thinking about Ben Roethlisberger and getting that one year deal done to bring him back for one more run at it, based on what they're seeing right now?
2: I think they're thinking, we better find another quarterback. We better call the Texans like all these other teams about Deshaun Watson uh, because a big band, you know, it's hard when you've had a guy that's been as dedicated, won as much as he has. They've won two Super Bowls, even though he was awful in one of them, and played through injuries, played at legal issues, and has done so much for them and the city to put him down. Say putting him down acts like going to the vet, and they're going to give him a shot. (laughs) But the fact is, they don't have their quarterback. They might as well think, okay, let's be bad and hope we have a chance to get a quarterback in this draft, or let's call Nick Casario and see about those three ones and two twos he wants. That's not the Steelers' style. You know, they don't make splashy moves. So I don't know how they're going to get out of this. First thing they should do is they got to find a running game to take some pressure off Roethlisberger in the defense, and they don't have it.
1: John McClain with us. Follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, Andy Reid won 100 games in Philly. He's now coached and won 100 games for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he did it in Philly with win number 100 Pretty for cool. Casey Interesting how that, that NFL history always tends to to happen. Same thing happened this week where Brady sets the all-time passing record back in Foxborough.
2: Three years ago, before he won his Super Bowl, people talked about Andy Reid and all his clock management problems. And that used to be a big source of irritation for him. It was a source of conversation for the media and the fans. Now, nobody talks about it. Does he still have problems? Yes. But he won his Super Bowl, and he went to a Super uh, Let's see. Yeah. Went to the Super Bowl, and it's amazing what happens when you find a great quarterback, but he's one of the all time great guys and he's going to the hall of fame and I hope he coaches till he's 80. Where
1: do you have, or where do you come down on Seattle? Uh, Russell Wilson, this could have happened this week and it didn't. He has never lost three consecutive games in a season and they win yet again. They're now two and two. Where is Seattle in all of this?
2: Boy, I, right now they're in third place. That's what they are. Uh, they're, they're better than the 49ers. And ultimately, they might be better than the Cardinals if the Cardinals have a relapse like they did at the, over the second half of last year. But remember, Seattle won the division, and the Rams went to Seattle and beat them in the playoffs. So there's a chance those two teams could go at it again. It wouldn't surprise me if they missed the playoffs. But I certainly don't expect it. Not with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. If they do miss the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of talk up there about Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson warning out. Pete Carroll's coaching the same conservative, old-fashioned way he's been coaching since he came back to the NFL in 2010. That the game has passed him by. And uh, but if they, and that may be the that may be the case, even if they get back to the playoffs. But I would never. Count out Russell Wilson because he's one of the greats.
3: John, what's your reaction to the Bears probably moving out to the suburb after they bought the the land in Arlington Park?
2: I like to think Cadillac like it's a ploy because they can always sell that land. The Bears not being downtown uh, on the Lake Lake Michigan at Soldier Field, but Soldier Field sixty one thousand it's smallest stadium in the league. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. I think I've told you all this story. I was in their press box covering a playoff game. And right when the game ended, they announced to us we had to be out of the press box in two hours or we would go down with the press box because they started the renovation immediately. And so (laughs) I'm trying to type a story and I'm hearing these jackhammers and these wrecking balls and everything. And we're all would they really do that? But I'll tell you what, it's the fastest story I've ever wrote because I didn't have time to think about it. it might have been one of the best.
1: <laughs> John McLean with us. John, um, looking at the schedule, better game. You think Bill's Chiefs lives up to the hype? Or could the Chargers and Browns be the best yeah, game of Week 5?
2: No, the Chargers and the Browns, Justin Herbert is playing great. Browns are three and one, but they don't have, they got a running game. They got a great defense. Baker Mayfield's a game manager. They're not going to put up points like Mahomes and Josh Allen are. It depends on your cup of tea. If you're about defense and a running game, Brown's going to be fun. I love watching Justin Herbert. Don't you know that Miami fans, not to mention the Miami organization every day. They don't go.
1: Yep. Why
2: did we draft Tua over Justin Herbert? Well, that looks like a no-brainer now, but if you go back before that draft, there were a lot of so-called experts, and those experts had a lot of negative things to say about Herbert, and he has done a fantastic job. I love watching the guy play, but uh, and they're fun to watch, and they may may indeed end up winning that division, but right now, the Bills and the Chiefs, this may be, Uh, we'll see a rematch in the AFC Championship game.
1: John, thank you as always. Always great insight. We love having you on the show and uh, we will catch up with you next week. Enjoy the
2: week. Jonathan and Paul and Chad thank you guys very much as always and hope you have a great rest of the week.
1: Thank you, John. Follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL.
2: I read
0: yesterday there was one person in the Miami brass that liked Herbert over Tua. Just one. Dan Marino.
1: (laughs) That's it? Uh, that, I mean, normally that, you're that's why they went with a little Tua, more than that.
0: Because they had a, a big consensus for Tua. But the one voice that didn't like Tua over him was <laughs> pretty the, big the voice. guy that he could have replaced for uh, uh, you know 15 years.
1: And w- wasn't Marino like an advisor then?
0: Yeah, I think that's what he is now. He's attached, but he's not Very convenient
1: that it comes out after Herbert is very good. Yeah. Like, we're, we're <laughs> Where was this controversy Probably at the time?
3: Probably Dan Marino sending a text to a reporter friend <laughs> and saying, hey, by the way, just for the record, I was the guy in this organization that wanted
0: Herbert. Just wanted there. are that out decisions there. <laughs> that haunt organizations for a long time. Now, if they go get Deshaun no Watson and give up you know, two firsts and three seconds or whatever the price is, uh, uh, when they had to pick to take a guy, yeah, Ridiculous.
1: More headlines, news, and notes uh, coming up. We'll hit some college football. get back into Urban Meyer. We'll talk Major League Baseball in the postseason, cranking up tonight as well, plus the Tennessee Power Hours just around the corner on Outkick 360. (music) Yankees-Red Sox tonight in the wild-card matchup from the AL. The winner will go on to face Tampa Bay. Also, uh, White Sox and Astros will face off in the AL. Wild card in the National League, Dodgers-Cardinals. So you get Cardinals-Dodgers tomorrow. Tonight, Yankees-Red Sox in what's got to be the best-case scenario for Major League Baseball in a one-game winner-take-all in advance, uh, loser-go-home situation for ratings, for eyeballs, for interest in baseball in particular. Um, Nothing really to compete against them. As I try to look through and think about what they would be up against, I mean, it's just your typical Tuesday or Wednesday night shows. It's not anything sports-related. This is great for Major League Baseball, at least I think on the surface it is. Can they capitalize on it? Because they have failed to capitalize on a lot of good storylines throughout the season. Um, When's the last time we talked about Otani?
3: Well, and All-star game. I think so much of it is because the Angels are no good. I mean, if Otani – Major League Baseball needs Otani – on the Red Sox or Yankees yeah. to get Yankees. talk, or the, or the Dodgers even. I mean, it's it's crazy that it, I mean, Otani and Trout, and how bad was that team? Twelve well, games Trout under five. Trout missed every hurt. game since May. <laughs> yeah, but I'm here's saying thing, that though, that team. How, how many times they've been in the playoffs since Trout's been there?
0: Once? Once, I think. Once, and it was early. Here's the thing, though. That's It'd a be problem. better for baseball if the Yankees and the Red Sox were both in it, and the Rays weren't. <laughs> It'd be better for well, baseball if the Dodgers and the Cardinals were both in it. And the Brewers. Well, this weren't. is a
1: one-game snapshot about baseball interest to me. I mean, twenty years ago, Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah, this needs to be to a see huge, huge. You're number. watching to see what's happening. This needs to be yeah, a huge. It's not going to be a baseball. huge
3: number. It needs to be. It's not going to be. Well, here's what the upside-down part of this, Paul. And you said it earlier. Red Sox and Yankees are playing for the privilege of getting pounded by the Rays. Yeah. That's bad management by the Red Sox and Yankees, who have much bigger payroll. Didn't, didn't than the I, mean, you, I the never Rays. thought that would be a, a baseball of 10 years ago. And uh, and this is a credit also to organizations that have drafted well, developed players well, managed things better than others. That's right. I, I never would have thought about a Red Sox-Yankees play-in game to go on to face the vaunted
0: Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, but we've had uh, – this storyline getting old. The, the Rays are a team that's figured it out and they have ways to win. They've outsmarted the Yankees and the Red Sox. Did they not re- revamp
1: their entire pitching staff after last year's run?
0: Yes, and they're, and they're good at it. Meanwhile, the Yankees have done a reset where they decided we're not going to pay the luxury tax because it resets after a couple of years, and if you don't meet it, then next year it resets and the, the luxury tax is, is lower. <clears throat> I sent you a note overnight. There's The Forbes' list of 400, the, the, the richest sports team owners for 2021. Number 1 is Steve Ballmer of the Clippers. He's worth 96.5 billion. Number 2 is Dan Gilbert of the Cavaliers. Number 3 is Robert Pera of the Memphis Grizzlies. Why do we never hear about these guys not spending enough? Why is it always the Yankees? The Yankees might be worth the most, but their owners aren't the richest. And there's a luxury system, luxury tax system in the NBA, why is it always the Yankees who don't spend oh, enough and don't win? In that, well, I'm asking, why do we never hear because that Steve Ballmer doesn't spend enough for the Clippers? Because it's the Clippers. The, it's You're all the about. If, but if it's all about money, the Clippers should buy their way to the, the title Clippers every the, year because they have the most money. The Clippers were in what the final four of the NBA. Yes. I mean, they, they should win every year. They're they, worth ninety-six point five billion dollars. Their owner is he should be spending the most money. Hal Steinbrenner is not worth $96.5 billion. I, would like, I need to see
3: what the Clippers are spending because I guarantee yeah. it's up there in the NBA. They're they should, spending as By much your as logic, else.
0: they should be winning every single year with that money.
3: I'm not saying win every year, but it's mismanagement if you've let the Tampa Bay Rays outsmart you if you're the Yankees and the Red Sox. Well, they've you won can a World Series, uh,
0: you know, more late. Uh, uh, they've done better than almost everybody except the Dodgers. Who won last year? I mean, they've outsmarted baseball. Paul, they've and figured I, it out. It's not all about money. It's I, about I saw, management.
3: I saw you comment earlier in the YouTube chat, and if someone said something like, "You sound like an SEC fan about your relationship going up and down because the Yankees losing," and you said, "It's cute of you to, oh, how dare you to, to compare SEC, me DePaul. to the SEC." Right? Uh, you said, "I'm from New Jersey, and the Yankees, are the most storied franchise in all the sports." And you want me to contextualize <laughs> my life within the SEC? It's funny. What's also funny is you contextualizing the Yankees. With the Clippers of all people, and crying about all the complaints about the Yankees,
0: saying, I concede that the Yankees haven't done enough with their resources, and they've been outsmarted by the Rays. But if you're using the money argument, you're looking at the wrong money team.
3: It's the Yankees. If you want to be the big badass Yankees, <laughs> you're going to get criticized more than anyone else. You're the biggest market. Well, this year you have they, more they chances than anyone less. else. You're going to get criticized. This year they spent less. Do they spend less than the Rays? They, no. Okay. They spent less than the Dodgers, who won it last year. Yes. The Dodgers, before that, had sp- spent a lot. Well, the in, Dodgers only want.
0: got a wild card this year, like the Yankees. Nobody's hammering the Dodgers for only getting a wild card.
1: Well, Vegas isn't hammering them because they're the they're outright they're favorite, the favorite to win the, to win the series, win the even there they're in the wild card.
0: Look, yeah, I think the I, I, will win nobody's more upset than me that the Rays have found the magic formula. But they found a magic formula that's been more productive than them for than the Braves' magic formula also. Well, the Braves' magic formula won them a
3: division in a year where the Philly. think about being a Phillies oh. or Mets fan no, right I now. No, I know. It's terrible they had the for best the Mets player, and the, and, the and I'm sorry. Acuna is the best player in baseball, in my opinion. They were without the best player in baseball, their best pitcher, their best power hitter in Ozuna for pretty much the entire season, and the Braves still won the NLE. And Soroka. Yeah, I said best pitcher oh. also, best starting pitcher. I mean, that is terrible for the Mets and the Phillies.
1: And I was I was worried about them not taking advantage of Freddie Freeman's contract. Well,
3: I was sitting here at the All-Star break <laughs> saying, why are you buyers? Go ahead and sell and then get some better pieces I, for next uh, year. I they said, want to win the division.
0: As I said earlier, the Yanks tonight will either get crushed and it'll, uh, it'll start early or they'll win a nail-biter. There's no scenario tonight where the Yankees run away from Boston. They haven't run
3: away from people all year. I'm excited to watch it because it's the Yankees and the Red Sox, but that's because it's the Yankees and the Red Sox, not the Rays. We get Cards Dodgers The Yankees
0: part's exciting.
1: Coming up, we'll tie in the Urban Meyer storyline in Jacksonville to the Tennessee Titans here. They face each other in Week 5, straight ahead on Outkick 360.